Reed's Ranch is proud to partner with Marcos Garza and the Garza Law Firm, GarzaLaw.com. Before you say guilty, say Garza, 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 Garza. Just remember it in case you find yourself needing legal representation. Marcos supports the podcast. If you are in a position where you need a criminal defense, a DUI defense, or a personal injury lawyer, Marcos and his team have you covered. Give them a call. You'll get a hold of somebody 24-7-365-865-540-8300 or online at GarzaLaw.com. All right, let's get to the episode. I mean, this is the last stand. You're listening to The Unfiltered. Well, I hate to say I told you so. There's nothing to be done besides to get on Twitter and tweet to all my dumbass followers. But I told you so. Hey, I told you so. The controversial. He's a dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his hair cut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. Let the goons be goons. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. Enough. <laughs> 38 in a row. As in 38 on this point when we were whipping that ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The holy war is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes. Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all. Another edition of Reed's Ranch, Monday, November 18th. Seth Hughes joins down in Alabama. What's up, Seth? Not much, John. How you doing? Oh, you sound like shit. Yeah, I feel like shit, buddy. You sick or just tired? Or sick and tired? Sick. I'm not tired anymore. I had to come home from work because I was so sick. So I just woke up from like a two-hour two nap. So Must be nice to be able to nap during the middle of the day. Well, I'm going to have to make up the time, John. So I'm just kidding, buddy. I hope you feel better. Thank you. Well, what do you want to talk about? Uh, We appear to have a really good basketball team. Okay, let's start there. It seems as if we have a good basketball team. Yeah. Just an awesome performance. I think that was about as good as anybody could have like, hoped for for a first big game and a neutral site for this basketball team. Yeah, I didn't watch the game live. Uh, I went to the casino with my father. He wanted to go shoot dice, so we went to shoot dice. I was surprised when I kept checking my phone that we pretty much just had a 10-point lead the entire game. That's what like was crazy. They never even really – they made, like, that baby run with that big man, senior big man that was, like, seven foot. He, like, he kind of came in at the beginning of the second half, and they, got like cut it to, like, maybe seven. They cut to seven twice, and Josiah Jordan-James answered both times. He hit a three to push it back to ten. They got down to seven again, and he hit a, a baseline jumper, about a ten-footer, I guess. Yeah, and that was it. Like, other than – like. And it wasn't even, there was never even any, like, it was total comfort. The whole game, we were in just total comfort against a top 25 team, um, an NCAA tournament team, I guess the second best team in the Pac-12, or third best team in the Pac-12 behind Oregon and Arizona. I forget about Arizona. Um, that has two lottery picks. Yeah, apparently the NCAA has forgotten about Arizona, too, and LSU because I keep seeing them get big-time recruits. Yeah, both of them in the past two weeks have gotten five-star recruits. Yeah, apparently the NCAA and the FBI just agreed, like, hey, let's just uh, get on with this. 
I really can't believe that we're really letting Will Wade trot out there and coach with no repercussions. LSU just grabbed a top 18 ranked guard on ESPN's top 100 or whatever. From Virginia. From Virginia, no less. Yeah, it makes sense. Let's go down to LSU. It seems like LSU and Will Wade has put a lot of guys in the pros. After they got the number one player out of the state of Alabama last year, who was a five-star, after Will Wade was suspended, as soon as he gets back from his suspension, they grab Trendon Watford. Um, Seems legit. It's a joke. It's a joke of a sport, but regular season Rick, he doesn't have any choice but to carry on within the confines of the sport, and he keeps on winning games. We, the, the, I mean, the, their lottery picks didn't look that good. No, I saw John Fulkerson. I, I watched the game on Sunday morning when I got, you know, up and was moving around, went to get breakfast and such. So I, I watched the game on ESPN Plus uh, the next morning, and I saw John Fulkerson shake old boy out of his shoes down in the post and draw a foul on him. And I feel like you cannot be a lottery pick if you get shook by John Fulkerson in the post. Yeah, so was that, that was the second foul, right? I don't remember. He got a foul early, and then immediately the next time we had the ball, we went to Fulkerson on the block, and he Fulkerson got him to you know to bid on the pump fake or whatever, and he got a second foul immediately, like within like the first four minutes of the game. I mean, I'm like, really, dude, you're gonna get your second foul that quickly when everyone knows exactly what we're doing. We're just we're we're trying to get your second foul, and you're gonna oblige. By falling for a John Fulkerson pump fake. By, by falling for John Fulkerson. Um, that one time, like, Pons got it in, 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 the, in the lane, squared up, pump faked, got him to bid on the pump fake, and then went and got the layup up over him. I mean, Pons and Fulkerson held their own, more than held their own, actually. They more than held their own. Both of their – everyone knows about how good Pons shot – how much better Pons shot is – Fulkerson's shot is a lot better, too. He at least has some offensive game now, it looks like. He hit several jump shots and was perfect from the free throw line. And then, like, I mean, Pons, I don't know at what point I start, like, believing in Pons. But that was a really, really good game. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm there. I believe in him being a 12 to 15 point scorer. I think he looks like he knows what he's doing on defense now. That block he had in the first half was pretty cool. I told you, it's must-see TV when he's on defense. He's obviously got the athleticism to to make plays, but now it looks like he has some basketball IQ, and it looks like he has developed a jump shot. I usually don't work in patron questions in the, in, in the first half of the podcast, but Caleb asked if my take – of Barnes isn't an elite developer of talent and that Grant and Admiral were just special, changed it all after seeing Pons. And my answer is still, I don't know. Because during the game, they pointed out, like, Pons didn't spend the summer with Tennessee. Pons spent the summer working with NBA guys, you know, including the guy who helped Pascal Siakam take the next step. So it looks as if Pons has developed. I don't know how much credit to give to this staff versus – I don't know the guy's name. They said it during the broadcast, but the guy who helped turn P- Pascal Siakam into an MVP candidate worked with Pons this offseason, and Pons obviously has taken a big leap. Right now he'd be the lead for SEC Most Improved Player. Don't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I would say that forget about, like, you can't really say anything about Pons because he worked with the Frenchman, but look at how much better Jordan Bowden has got. 
over the course of his career. Yeah, but Jordan Brown's a grown ass man at this point. Yeah, but I mean, he was a nobody. They didn't have he didn't have any he didn't have any offers. Like I mean, I, obviously Barnes can develop really really nicely. I, like the staff hasn't missed a beat. Kim English has fit in nicely. I think that. Um, I don't think there should be any question about the staff's ability to develop. Now it seems like they're not going to have to as much because they're getting people like Josiah James and Keon Johnson. Yeah, the the the, the pressure to develop is going to be less. Now, you know, if Bowden, he's hitting shots now, he's always – yeah, he's always been streaky, but now he looks like he has some confidence, and it might just be as simple as, hey, you have to be the man now. Like, there's nobody to hide behind. It's your team. You got to be the leading scorer. Maybe it's that. Like I said, it's, he's in year four. So, I mean, you know, basketball players get better from 17, 18 to when they're 22. I'm giving Barnes credit for developing him, but with Pons, I don't know. Because, like I said, they made a point of emphasis that that he played with the French under-20 team this year, and he worked with the guy who was responsible for one of the biggest improvements of an NBA player I've ever seen in Pascal Siakam going from – unknown to most improved player to winning and being the second best player in the NBA finals to now maybe being an MVP candidate. I am really glad that Rick Barnes let him go because if I was Rick Barnes, I would have, I would have not let him out of my sight all summer. Yeah. But I mean, he was playing games with James Harden. He was around elite talent. It looks like Pines. I, I'm buying it now because like I said, the three pointers, eh, I wasn't sure of, but man, like he was raining. He was the slow, he was the zone buster. Like you have to bust the zone from the inside right there at the free throw line. And I thought it might be Josiah Jordan James that was going to have to do it, but it was Pons. And Pons was flashing to the free throw line and just knocking down jumper after jumper. And the confidence was there. The stroke was there. The touch was there. He was catching it, turning around, and immediately firing. There was no... Um... Yeah, it wasn't like, hey, you're gonna. It wasn't like, hey, I'm gonna jab step and see if you're gonna bite. It was just turn around, boom, turn around, shoot it. Like it was perfect. It was confident, and that is a completely different punts. Yeah, it's not even like, you know, it'd be one thing if he flashed high and he turned around and they were just giving him the shot and he thought about. It, he's like, okay, well, I'll take this. But it was like, no, he caught it and he was gonna shoot it, and he was just draining it. And then the touch, the touch on his jumper, that one three hit the rim in every single quadrant and the backboard, and it went about 20 feet high off the rim, and it still went in. His his jump shot has a lot of touch now. So I like what I see with Pons. He looks like he's going to compete for an all-SEC spot on the first or second team. It's crazy to think of. And it's just three games, so like I, I don't know if he can be a 20-point-a-game scorer, 18 points, but like I said, I feel confident he could do 12 to 15 and make a lot of highlights with his defense and dunking ability. I mean, he's no Jay-Z's nephew, who they were keeping a dunk count for for some reason, but he's a freak athlete. How, it was obvious that the notes that the ESPN guys were given were to talk about Washington. Seemed as such. We were going to talk about Washington. We were going to talk about how they had several guys from the East Coast, so this was Mike Hopkins. Uh, this was he, he wanted this game so his players could get to play in front of their family. We were going to talk about how it was Jay-Z's nephew, and we were going to talk about they had a couple All-Americans, McDonald's All-Americans. That's what that's what the talking points were from the very beginning, which is just weird because Tennessee was favored. Tennessee was favored in this game. Yeah, spread went down a little bit before tip, but Tennessee opened up as like, what, two and a half, three-point favorites? 
Yeah, when I saw it, it was Tennessee minus one. So, like, people had bet on Washington, but they went home sad. They didn't get to go to the ticket window. They owe their bookie this morning. Like, it was it was, it was, was very odd that um, – I, I, I think, like, it was a win over an NCAA tournament team in November in a neutral site. What more can you ask for? Like, I don't think Washington is that good. They should not have beat Baylor, and that skewed their – like they should not have beat Baylor at all. I mean, they just Baylor was Baylor pretty much did what we did the whole game, except we didn't give up the lead in the last three minutes. Um. So it's they're not great, but it, what more could you have wanted from this team this early? Especially Lamonte's shoulder is is nagging him and he can't shoot. So what more could you have wanted? Well, that's not that's not a good sign if his shoulder's already bothering him. Is that the case? Yeah, that's what that's what Rick said. Well, that's not good. So that's not good because, like, I don't know if you noticed, we only played seven players. Yeah, that to me, that's the only negative from Saturday is that we only played seven guys. And Jalen Johnson, I don't even know that he played in the second half. He played six total minutes. I didn't notice him in the second half, but like I said, he only played six total minutes, and he looked he looked lost. He had an assist in the first half, and that's all I remember from him. He, I don't. I remember him clanking a turnaround jumper off the backboard. He shot the same little 15-foot jumper and clanked it off the backboard. Kamwa doesn't look lost. He looks good. He had a nice three. He looks good. Yeah, he looks like he's going to be a nice little player. Um, But, yeah, we basically played six people, which is obviously a huge issue. Now, Barnes said, you know, I'm trying to win games. I can either win games right now. Or I can lose games, and I'm opting to win games. We're going to have games in December where I can expand the rotation. Yeah, and he had done that the first two games, and I imagine he'll do that the next two games against Alabama State and UTC. Like, get those guys rotation, get them reps. That's okay. But I'm okay with him shortening it in games that matter. Like, Tennessee is going to need that game for seeding, and Tennessee is going to need that game for their resume. I'm fine with it. I'm fine if the rotation gets short again, uh, you know, when we go to play Florida State in Florida and then either VCU or Purdue. You might be testing on that second day, you know, play, of your depth, but I'm fine with it. I am too. I, I, Duke rode seven guys to the championship in whatever year that was, 2015 or whenever they won with Jill Okafor. Like, they only played seven guys pretty much the whole year. Yeah, It can be done. Like Now, granted, I, those guys are bigger talent, but the point remains Tennessee can win. I'm not saying Tennessee's going to win a national championship. I don't, this team's not that good, but Tennessee can accomplish its goals this year with seven people. Yeah, you know, there's some games coming up that where we can basically lock in our NCAA tournament bid. So win the games, and then I'm in, like, Alabama State, we have Florida A&M coming up, Jacksonville State. Work on the the rotation then, but, you know, Rick's doing the right thing. Like, if you have to play Lamonte Turner 39, 39 minutes to get into the NCAA, to improve your seed in the NCAA tournament, then do it. I mean. I would almost rather play Florida right now than Florida A&M. Man, you hate to see it. If only there was any idea that Mike White would suck other than like the last two or three years at Florida. Yeah, but I still feel like we're, weren't we on the same boat as everyone else thinking they were going to be really good? Which in hindsight is stupid because we know Mike White sucks. Like we have kept up with him. Like when I say we, I just mean fans of the podcast and just Tennessee fans. Like we all know Mike White is an underachiever and Mike White sucks, except 
I think all of us still kind of thought, eh, Florida's probably going to be really good once they got Kerry Blackshear. I thought it was crazy that they were like, Lenardi had them as a one seed in bracketology, in his initial bracketology. Okay. Like, I thought that was crazy. I mean, I yeah, they were supposed to be better. I mean, it just seemed like it was a little bit over the top when you were a 10 seed that lost in the second round last year. I mean, it just seemed... I think they got dominated in the second round, too. I feel like those Martin twins got them out of the paint. No, wait, they beat them in the they first beat, round. They, yeah, yeah, they never beat mind. them. Never mind. They I don't remember them. who beat Florida. I don't either. Producer, take that out. Don't um, make me sound like a dumbass. But the, the point was they weren't that good last year. I said those Martin twins, and I realized uh, how mad they made me because I bought into the Martin twins and then Florida. They were much better as juniors. Got them out of the paint. I saw they play on the same NBA team together. Yeah, I don't know if the other one plays, but I saw the one playing the other night. Yeah, I just saw the the other one was like in his in his warm ups. Okay. Um I think that I don't I don't think either one of us bought super into the Florida hype. Um Kerry Blackshear did. I bet he wishes he could take that one back. Kerry Blackshear did, man, and it would have really been sweet if we had him because we would have been awesome. Because you know, we haven't even talked about Josiah James. He really started to flex a little bit in the Washington game and kind of show you what he can do. Uh, please note that I mentioned him like immediately and said that he was the run stopper and hit a big three. Yeah, big but we haven't talked about jumper. how like just great he looked, like how compared to the first two games. I mean, you know, he finally he didn't have a preseason. He didn't have a preseason. He's he's rounding into it and. By conference play, he will be good, and he will be Tennessee's second best player at least. He uh, he is so smooth. Behind Pines. This guy, Tennessee's going to have a four-headed monster. Really five with Fulkerson's. I like the starters, yeah. I mean, I like the starters. <laughs> you can't even say it without laughing. I mean, I do. I like the starters. Like, I, you know, I don't, I don't think Fulkerson's going to be a double-digit point scorer, but he scored, I think he scored 14 against Washington. We had four guys. We had four guys in double figures, and Josiah Jordan James had nine and only and took four shots and made all four of them. Yeah, I mean, we look good. We look good. Regular season, Rick just continues to impress. Sixty and fifteen in his last seventy-five games was that stat. That's the one I saw. Solid regular season, Rick. Then the next day, you know what regular season Rick was doing? He was preaching at a church in Knoxville. That's what he did yesterday, because he's a good man. But yeah, we're good. We're better than Florida. I don't know how good Florida State is because they barely beat Florida, who is apparently trash. So we might be the best team in this tournament. I imagine Florida State still got a bunch of athletes that'll bother us. Yeah, I think they are good, but we might win that tournament. I think now. I'll have to wait to see what Will Warren writes about Florida State before I make any of those judgments because I literally know nothing about any of those three teams in the tournament. I don't keep up with. College basketball. Who's the other way. one? Oh, Purdue. Purdue and VCU. I I don't want to play Purdue. I don't want to play Purdue. That was my take on the radio today. I would rather play Florida State and VCU. I don't want to play Purdue. I don't want to watch those highlights. I don't want to hear Purdue fans talking about at least we won the one that mattered. I don't want them to beat us again. Just I want no part of it. No thanks. Yeah. A win does nothing. A loss is embarrassing. Nope. Don't want it. I agree. Were you surprised that Missouri opened up as six-point favorites? Uh, I guess a little, yeah. 
I mean, I, I didn't really know what to expect. Their defense, doesn't their defense still rank out pretty highly? It does. But the offense has completely gone to shit. The, the offense hasn't scored a touchdown in nine quarters, I believe. Uh, so things are going well for Derek Dooley and Kelly Bryant. Kelly Bryant has thrown for 300 yards only twice this year, and that was against Wyoming and Ole Miss. In fact, he's thrown for, like, under 200 three times, I think. Um, Kelly Bryant is no Jarrett Garantano. I guess their their defense, they're giving up 19.5 points a game. Um, That is the 19th best defense scoring-wise. Solid. They are um, 34th in rushing defense, 6th in passing defense, and 10th overall in total defense. The Florida-Missouri game was basically unwatchable. I tried and tried to watch it. I could not keep my eyes on the television. It was so boring. They cannot do anything on offense. Which, the way our defense is playing, makes me excited. I agree. Tennessee probably needs to find a way to score 17 or 20 points, but that's okay. I like the way our defense is playing. Uh, yep. I, I like the matchup. They are just – they are a train wreck on offense – and we now have a good defense. We have a lot to play for. They don't have anything to play for. They look like they're really close to just having a damn mutiny on their hands. Yeah, didn't one of their players say something like, what the fuck's wrong with us after yeah, the game? He said, this shit's sad, bro. As he was walking off the field. <laughs> I saw that headline from The Athletic. So he, we, got, we got a real mutiny on our hands. Yeah, like that was um, – I mean – like, it, I cannot believe that Kelly Brunt has only thrown for over 300 yards twice. Why did you think Kelly Brunt was good? I mean, he, he didn't no, have No, I didn't. The... I just, like, dude, that's not that hard when you have an offense like them to throw for 300 yards. I mean, I understand, but, like, Kelly Brunt's not very good, and it's like they have a lot of talent on offense that I know of, at least. Yeah, they have some good receivers. That's why he went there was because they're receivers. That, they returned, like, every receiver. That's why he went there. And that's why they were the hot pick. Um, they aren't as good as Clemson's receivers. I, I agree he's not anything special. He, could, he couldn't throw over 300 yards at Clemson, and they had NFL receivers, first-round picks. Um, they're averaging 19.8 points a game in SEC they play. They suck. They suck. It's an important game to win. Like you said, Missouri has nothing to play for. I can't imagine the crowd's going to be much better than in 2015 when Gary Pinkle was retiring. And it was dead in there. I can't imagine the crowd's going to be there in the cold to watch a 5-5 five and five battle, a battle between two 5-5 five and five teams. Uh, one program is headed back to the shitter, and the other seems to be on the rise, heading to Florida for a bowl game. It seems like, it seems like it's right there for Tennessee to win. It, just, it seems like everything is going Tennessee's way in terms of, you know, getting another win. Jamie Pritt said the team is as healthy as it's been in a long time, so it seems as if our offensive line is going to be back to where it needs to be. Yeah, so I guess the big question is Darnell Wright. Obviously, with Calvert at right tackle, you didn't really 
And we didn't run the ball well against Kentucky, but in terms of pass blocking, it didn't seem to be, you know, a huge issue having Calvert in there. Like, it wasn't as big of a deal as when, like, Tatum's in there. And I just want to say that Missouri can have this top-rated defense, whatever. I don't care. They cannot guard our receivers. They can't guard our receivers. I don't care what their defense is ranked. They will not be able to stop Jawan Jennings, Josh Palmer, and Marquez Callaway. Michael Sam ain't strutting that ass through that door. No. No. Michael Sam ain't going to be there to hold us down. No. Like, I, I don't care what their defense is rated. They're not going to be able to stop our wide receivers. Now, will the quarterback be able to get them the ball the last couple games? Garantano has been able to. I don't know if we'll be able to run the ball on them, and I don't think it really matters because I think we're better than they are, and I think our defense will shut them down because Nigel Warrior is the highest-rated safety in the SEC, according That's to right. Pro Football Focus. That's right. The only people that that, that st- stayed by him was Reed's Ranch. Everyone else was ready to throw him out. They were throwing the baby out with the bathwater. They were throwing the, the slow safety who couldn't tackle – out with the bad tape, but not us. Not us. We said, guys, he's a legacy. He's got it in his DNA. He's going to be better than his daddy, Dale Jones. He leads the conference in interceptions, and he's the highest-rated safety in the conference. And I've yet to see him get tackled on an interception. He just sometimes runs out of bounds. Yeah. Never mind. He got Besides about Jerry Judy, or whoever, not Jerry Judy, the oh, other guy. Yeah. Besides yeah. that guy. That, that guy doesn't count. That doesn't count. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That doesn't count. That one doesn't that count. That guy was running like a three eight forty. <laughs> yeah, let's throw that one out. He didn't see him coming. That one doesn't count. I do like we never even talked about how in the hell the referees like were able to see Nigel step out of bounds. It was like the Red Sea parted at the right second. It's, everything works out the way it's supposed to. We were supposed to be down thirteen to three. That way Garantano could come in and be the hero. That's okay. Everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. That's why the camera just happened to catch the most perfect angle ever in between a a sea of bodies, as you put it. Larry Roundtree, uh, somebody mentioned him. Oh, Hayden Wallen, go off for his annual 200 against us. It's it's You know, he had a monster year last year. He had over 1,200 yards rushing. He hasn't done anything this year. It's very weird. Um, I bet that we stop Larry Roundtree... And it's annoying that he doesn't have a D in his name. It is R-O-U-N, Tree. But I bet we stop him, and I think that Tennessee wins by 10 points. That's my prediction. 24 to 14. 24 to 14. 24 to 14 balls. Producer, please mark that down. That's us official prediction. I mean, we're pretty – I mean, we're, we're tested on the road. We won at Kroger Field, and that's not easy. And those Kentucky fans were there, and they were rowdy, and they had, they were happy they had their shift off from the coal mine. They were, they were there, pumped up, ready to go. And we walked into the his, historic Kroger Field, and we price-checked that ass. We bagged them up, carried them out. I'm not worried about going to whatever the name of the school, uh, field is that Mizzou plays at. I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about going on the road. We're tested. We won at Kroger Field. 
Go ahead and Google it as you beat away at your keyboard. No, I'm I'm on Discord. Um, oh, okay. Has Jeremy Pruitt ever lost at Faro at Faro Field? No, I can't he imagine not. he has. I can't imagine Balls he has. Win. And I don't Jeremy- know if you saw Seth, but uh, never again on the fifty to seventeen. We owe Missouri an ass kicking. Jeremy Pruitt simply does not lose to SEC opponents on the road when he's an underdog. He hasn't yet this year. We don't count Florida because we always lose to them anyway. But, you know, he's he's or just underdogs, period. We were underdogs in every single game, right? Mississippi State, South Carolina, and Kentucky. We're gonna we're gonna win again. He's never lost at Missouri. Please mark that down. It's gonna happen. Twenty four to fourteen. I don't have the uh the score I'm thinking of, I don't, I don't know what the score is. I think it's always, I think it's like it's to me, it, like, does the score really matter? Like, yeah, I'm not I worried think, about the score. I think Tennessee wins by ten. We have more points than they do at the end of the day. Yeah, that's my prediction. I think Tennessee wins by ten. We're the only podcast that said Nigel Warrior was going to be an All SEC candidate. And we also said, don't give up on Jack Garantano. Please just trust us. Take it to the bank. Vols money line. Go ahead and lock in the plus five. And whatever money you win from that, just take it and either up your Patreon subscription or become a patron at patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. All right, let's get to some patron questions. Like I said, patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. You get access to the Discord for the game threads. You get access to uh, to us, our special episodes, things of that nature. Now let's get to some questions. We'll start with Jackie. He asked, who is the mo- most surprising guy playing well based on what we thought about them? Nigel Warrior or Pons? Pons. Yeah, we never gave up on Nigel Warrior, so the obvious answer is Pons because we are not far removed from Seth plotting on calling ice on Pons. A bad take by me. I did not think he would find touch on a jump shot, and it appears as if he has found touch on a jump shot. Yeah, you know, Nigel Warrior obviously had the DNA to be a good football player. It just took him a while. Eve Pons looked like he didn't know what a basketball was for the first two years of his career. So I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Pons. That's yep. Zach asked what our stance is on physician assisted suicide. I think if you want to die, you should have that right. Okay. What is your take on it? Um I think it needs to be like you know, you're in a, a hospice type situation. Well, that's what I assumed it meant. What is what? Is well, it no, it's getting weird in 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 Europe nowadays. In Europe, and like the Netherlands and Belgium, they're having some weird. I, I don't know if that's why he asked that question, but in the Netherlands and Belgium, they're having some weird cases where people aren't necessarily on their deathbed, and they just want to die, and they just want to die, like they're depressed and they just want to die, and the state is granting them that right, and they're not letting the family intervene. Um, not necessarily old people either, but yeah, I mean, if you're on your deathbed, then if you're on your deathbed, I see no reason why. Yeah, I took it as that, um, just in general. Uh, it's a little bit tougher, but especially if you're depressed, you know, because we, you, I don't know if we can fix mental illness. That's not what I'm trying to say, but you can treat it and try to like help improve people. I don't know, like, it, would there, I don't know. Uh, maybe if you felt like that. I don't think you should do it on a whim. Like, hey, file this away and we'll check back in with you in six months type of thing. 
Like, hey, you've put your request in. We're going to review the footage and review the files and see what's happening. You come back six months later and you still want to dial. Maybe we'll help you out. I don't know. I'm usually pro-rights. But, you know, there has to be some uh, some mental health stuff there attached to it. Moving on. Texas Red asks, would you rather beat Memphis by 20 or beat Vandy by 40 to go 7-5? and five? Well, Tennessee's going 7-5 regardless, so give me that Memphis win. I would like to lock in 7-5 and five with a 40-point victory over Vandy. Mm-hmm. Just go ahead and lock it in. If we beat Missouri this weekend and you ask that question Vandy week, I might have a different answer. But right now, while we haven't officially beaten Missouri, I will lock that in. And like uh, a nice dominant win over Vanderbilt would be nice. Just to end the season with a nice dominant win, and we could say, look at this. Just 12 games ago, we were here inside Neyland Stadium as we lost to Georgia State. Now look at us. Mm-hmm. If we are 6-5 and five heading into that game, like, I bo- like, like we both think we will be, then I'd probably just go ahead and lock in the Memphis win. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Will you be at the bowl game? Horny Bill Dance wants to know in the Discord. Um, if it's in a um, a sunny locale, then then likely yes. I don't really. So you're feel going like to Florida. Going, yeah, I don't really feel like going to like Charlotte. Does Jacksonville count? Because Jacksonville is low key still kind of cold when we went to Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, I like when I went to the Outback Bowl one year and it was freezing cold. A couple of days we were there. Um, kind of like the Florida bowl games were a little underrated. It still wasn't that nice. The Northwestern game I remember having pretty good weather, but the 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 uh, the Iowa game was still a little chilly. Northwestern game was nice weather. I just I just like I don't really feel like going to like Charlotte for the Belk Bowl. Um, but like I I would go to the Liberty Bowl or the Music City Bowl because they're just easy games to go to. Um, and it would be a good chance to see my best friend Luke. But um, I'm not really feeling like the Belk Bowl or are we? Is there like still a chance of going to like the that the Texas Bowl or whatever it is? I don't know. I haven't really paid attention because we didn't play last weekend, so I was using the off week to mentally be off of football to get my mind right. But it just depends. Depends on the weather. Marwan wants to know what if I would kill my dog for $100,000. Yes, obviously. I love Frank, but $100,000 is $100,000. Do you have any objection there? I don't think you would kill Frank for $100,000. You don't think I would? No, I don't. If you put $100,000 in front of me, I pro eh, maybe not. You love that dog too much. I do love the dog. Well, now you got me contemplating. This is one of those things where, like, you would just rather not ever be faced with that choice, right? Just, like, not open the door? Yeah. Kind of like how that guy found a note on Survivor, and then he ended up getting voted out because of it, kind of? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly the, the thing he I thought he, in my head. He, he thought he found a good note on Survivor, like, hey, I'm getting an advantage, and it was like, psych, you got tricked. Now you don't get to vote this week. And he went, and he came back with a lie, and everyone knew it was a lie, so they voted him out. Mm. Ask your parents. They they probably know about it. <laughs> I'm sure they do. <laughs> Ask your parents about it. They probably know. He thought he found something good, and the moral of the story back at the uh, the camp of idols was like, hey, if it's too good to be true, it seems too good to be true. And he was like, damn, 
Sometimes it just be that way. I shouldn't have picked up that note. I should have let that girl pick it up. Grit wants to know. By the way, happy uh, happy birth week to Grit's new baby. He yes. is now a father of two. Congratulations, Grit. Congratulations, brother Grit. He wants to know our top three professional jerseys of all time. Do you have any favorite jerseys? Uh, no. No. I mainly only only I really only wear Columbia polos. So. Well, I don't think he means like that you own. I think he's just saying that to look at the oh, best the best looking oh, professional jerseys. Oh, okay. Oh. That's what I imagine he meant. My favorite. I, I I always used to love the uh, the black and red Bulls jersey back in MJ's day. So that's probably my favorite, just built off of uh, nostalgia. And then I love the uh, the navy blue navy bottoms. Uh, for the Titans, the blue on, navy blue on navy blue. It's the sharpest. And then my third favorite professional jersey would be the white on white for the Titans with the navy blue helmet. That's second and third. In terms of NFL, I really love the Dolphins all white. I just love the Dolphins' like logo and color scheme in general. I think that everything about that shade of green and orange is sharp. My least favorite has to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I cannot believe that they seriously go out there every Sunday in those uniforms. They might as well wear clown shoes. Yeah, that font is so bad. It's so bad, and Jameis Winston throwing interceptions in those clown shoe uniforms is enough to make a man want to kill himself. You know, I would probably support assisted suicide for Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans more than I do for just normal people. I do feel bad that one of those interceptions was a good thrown ball to OJ Howard, and he just tried to take it behind his back, he tried to take like it on a and, like on the and one tour, and had it ripped away from him, and it went down as an interception for Jameis. And I was kind of like, that kind of sucks. Not that Jameis needs help throwing interceptions, but it was a good throw to OJ Howard, and man, OJ Howard sucks. So he's not any good. No, he's awful. That's what I thought. He was, thought. he was awful at Alabama, except against Clemson. I never will forget him winning Alabama that national championship by all of a sudden being really good at football for one game. That's pretty Alabama. It's a pretty it's quite the Alabama break. What do we think about them? What do we think about them? We think they're going to beat Auburn. Nah, they're cooked. And even if they beat Auburn, they shouldn't get in. Agreed. They haven't beaten anybody. Yep. Keep them out. And Nick Saban's an asshole for making Tua play through all these injuries. Yeah, man. Like, he's in a, a he's vacuum. A, he's, a, he's a dickhead. No, there's no vacuum. The vacuum is on his dick. It's on his head. He has put his dick inside the vacuum. That's the only vacuum there is. Like, I can't believe he's kept trotting him out there after two ankles. He's been hurt for, what, 23 straight months? Like, he's been hurt. I guess it's maybe not that long, but, you know, 15 straight months. Or 14, whenever the hell he got hurt, like, last October, right? And he's consistently been hurt. Yeah, he started sucking after that. And they had to, you know, go to Jalen Hurts because Tua was out there limping around. Like, Gary Danielson said, hey, this guy's not right leading up to the LSU game. And you know what happened? Saban said, get your ass out there. And he went and played. And then, you know what? You still lost that game. So maybe let's take uh, the Mississippi State game off. We could beat Mississippi State with Mac Jones. Nope, get your ass out there, Tua. It's 35-7. to Then Saban was like, you know what? Maybe we should take Tua out. And the footage is like, hey, Tua asked to go back in. Well, Tua's a kid, or Tua's a Tua's a player. It doesn't matter what Tua wanted. It doesn't matter what Tua wanted. Nick Saban is the coach. We take people's helmets when they have a potential concussion. We say, hey, it's out of your hands. So we protect the players then. Protect the players and just say, no, you're not going in, bro. I know you want to play. You're always going to want to play. No, you're not playing. Can we talk about 
an all-time casket shitting by Gary Danielson when that poor girl got run over in the Auburn-Georgia game. I missed it. I was busy. Oh, man. It was an all-timer, an all-time great casket shitting. He had zero time for this girl that got plowed. Like, she got just ran over on the side. It was a photographer. And like, I saw her get hit, but I didn't. I couldn't hear Brad the Brad Nessler's like, yeah, I don't think it's a player. It's a cameraman. And Gary's like, yeah, okay. Like, Brad was like trying to stoke up some sympathy, and Gary's laughing. He's laughing. People were ripping him on Twitter. And I'm just like, I mean, Gary Danielson's a senile old man. What the hell do y'all expect? But an all-time great casket shitting from Gary. I mean, I, the girl's okay. The girl's okay. But just an all-time great casket shitting by Gary. People were so mad, and that's why I support Gary because he was making people mad. I still don't like Gary, even despite him making people mad. Oh no, Gary sucks. I don't know how many times people are going to keep pretending Bo Nix is going to win one of these games, though. <laughs> Man, <laughs> like please Man. note, I've been anti-Bo Nix from day one. Like we were sitting there when they played Florida, and like we were watching it, and we were just like. We just like looked at each other. We were like, dude, Bo Nix sucks. He's not good. He had the one fourth quarter against Oregon, and that's it. And that should that should remove Oregon from playoff contention. No, no, yes. no. If you cannot beat Bo Nix, get the hell out of the playoff. I'm not I'm not banning them just yet, but it, it is one that you're just like, how did you let this guy who you know play like shit the whole game lead two touchdown drives to win? I'm canceling Oregon. They're not canceled as far as I'm concerned, just because we might need another team. But, uh, you know, I'd rather see Oklahoma get in. Yeah, 100% I would rather see Poor Oklahoma. Matt Rule, who is a good Christian man. What are you doing, bro? You get up 28-3, to you got to win that game. You you have to win the game if you get up 28-3. to Like, nobody cares if you lose to Oklahoma like 55 to nothing. But as soon as you get up 28-3, to you have to win that game, and that poor Charlie Brewer or whatever the hell his name is, he lost his damn mind that last drive. I mean, he tried to throw an interception, and the Oklahoma guy dropped it, and then the very next play, he threw to the same Oklahoma defender. That time he didn't drop it. Um, the pass that Bo Nix missed on that fourth down or whatever, I mean, my goodness, on the play-action pass rollout, like, he could have just gone and handed it off to the running back. And he throws it behind him. I mean, the moment just seemed a little too big for Bo Nix. I'll just say this, but on our fourth down a week prior, the moment was not too big for Jarrett Garantano. He did a play-action pass, rolled out. He tucked that thing and got the first down. Some men are just made of tougher stuff. Bruce asks if regular season Rick and the boys manage a top three seed for the third straight season but crash out in the round of 32, what's going through our heads? Man, if we get a if we get a top three seed, I don't know if I'll be mad about a round of 32 exit, to be honest. Um, I'm on record as saying tournament success is overrated. Give me the regular season success, please. I'd rather have that. I do love and appreciate Mason Taylor because his response to that question was probably a bullet. So you'd be devastated? No, because if this team gets a three seed, it's a, it's like a 
a fabulous coaching job. That's the way I look at it. I'm not going to be upset about a round of 32 upset. It would suck, obviously, but I would be happy with the overall body of work. It would just kind of be like, okay, Rick, you coached your ass off all season. We got upset in the tournament. Okay, but at some point, you know, you're going to have a crazy talented team next year. We have to produce in the tournament. I don't even know if I would, man. I don't even know if I would be that way. I'd be like, go win the SEC. It Regular season success is underrated in terms of college basketball. It is. like Give me the good 32 games versus the, a good two or three games. That's just the way I look at it. Like Winning the SEC is awesome. Getting to cut down the nets is awesome. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to lose in the first round. I like, I'd like to have one or two wins, but I wasn't mad – I mean, I thought the in-game management sucked. Like, I do think it wasn't like one of those situations where eh, just you, you ran into Cinderella, Cinderella, you couldn't avoid it. I kind of felt that way year three when, you know, we lost to uh, Loyola or whatever. Against Purdue, I was just like, you did some bad things, man. Like, you you had Grant Williams on the bench in overtime. You didn't give him the ball, like, whenever he was cooking. Like, that, that type of stuff bothered me, but it, I don't know. Even in that game, Ryan Klein was just busting your ass, so you could only be so mad about it. It wasn't like he was hitting wide open shots. He was he was grilling our guys. No, I mean, he, yeah, he had a step back three over a first round draft pick. Yeah, we we rallied back. We didn't give up. We didn't quit. We came back, got the lead, and then yeah, Ryan Klein just kept hitting jump shots. And then the whole foul thing with Lamonte. So you know, th- to answer your question, this year I wouldn't be that upset. I'd be happy at getting a top three seed. A top three seed would really be something with this team. Chad asked, if you knew the Russians were going to nuke us and you had to stake out to survive the aftermath, what are your three non-negotiables you would grab before heading out? First of all, I said, where would you go to stake out? I just can't read. Uh, I would go to... I would go to my family's land in Tennessee. My three non-negotiables, one would be baby wipes, two would be Diet Coke, and three, I guess three would be like an AR-15. Yeah, you got protection, I guess. Do you already have, do you already have shelter built at your, uh, at your farm, your property? No, we would have to do that, too. Yeah, I was going to say one of my three non-negotiables might be uh, an axe. Yeah, that's a good idea. Because you could also protect yourself with that. That's a good idea. Yeah, it's like on uh, Naked and Afraid. You can't run out of bullets, you know? Like, you, got, you have your axe to yeah. get firewood and maybe build shelter, kill things. Yeah, that's a good idea. A lot of people ask for a hatchet on Naked and Afraid. Some people ask for a cup just to have, like, something to... You can cut chickens' heads off. Carry something in, yeah. Uh, we've talked about this before, but I would hope I would get invited to uh, Kendall's rich cousin's house. He has like a bunker already built with like a bunch of food saved up and everything. That's pretty cool. He's a doomsday prepper, so I'm hoping I would get invited there. I think you would, buddy. I hope so. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know if she would get invited. Guy's kind of weird. <laughs> I don't mean that in a derogatory way. He's just he's kind of like you, just smart and kind of awkward. Probably doesn't care too much about me, although we did watch a boxing match together a couple months ago. Just me and him at midnight. It was weird. Did y'all watch it on DAZN? 
Uh, no, we watched it on uh, ESPN Plus. It was like midnight, and I tur- it was the Tyson Fury fight. We just sat there and watched it together for some reason. Everyone else was in bed, and it was just me and him. That sounds like a fun time. It was okay. I'm hoping that got me an invite to the to the farm, though. ESPN Plus was pretty nice. I liked it. I bought it. I've enjoyed it. I like having it. I'm able to kind of write it off and you know use it as an expense for for work or whatever. But I've enjoyed it. I haven't watched many things on it, but it's nice to have in case you need it. I do like reading some of the articles sometimes. I agree. It's worth it to have it when you need it. I'm a big like mock. Dra- I'm a big mock draft guy for both for NBA and NFL, and they put a lot on there. So it, does it take the place of like ESPN Insider? Yeah, basically. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Okay. Except they raised the price a little bit so that you'd have games and stuff too. I'll start uh I'll start reading. Start doing my NBA draft prep after this podcast. See where those Washington guys fell after they got shut down by Pons and Fulkerson. I'm gonna die when I send you a screenshot of Pons being like the twenty fifth ranked prospect. And when he leaves early to go be a first round draft pick. Imagine him getting drafted. I mean, we can't imagine it. It looks like it might happen. He's got the athleticism in the body, man. Speak it into existence. He's gonna be. He's gonna be sitting in the corner. He's gonna be sitting there on the Houston Rockets in a couple years as James Harden kicks him the ball in the corner, and Pond's gonna be drilling threes like PJ Tucker. This whole time we thought Grant Williams was the PJ Tucker clone. It's actually Pond's. He's just gonna be a taller, more athletic version. Pond's is taller than PJ Tucker. I mean, yeah, PJ Tucker's only like six five, six four. Okay. He's just a bulldog. Okay. I didn't realize he was he was only that tall. I might be underselling him a little bit, but he's not tall by any means. Let me get a PJ Tucker height right quick. PJ Tucker height. Because I don't want to mislead the people. Six foot five, so. Okay. We thought Grant, that was his comp, but really it's Ponzis in the in the ultimate plot twist. Doug asks, is the change in alcohol sales policy? Going to put Thompson Bowling in the running for hosting NCAA tournament games, you think? I have no idea. I do think it's going to put them in the running for more concerts. I don't know if you've seen, but they've been getting a shit ton of concerts lately. Yeah. They got Elton John coming. Uh, there was another one just announced. Uh, I don't know if that was unusual, though. I think it might have been like Zach Brown, maybe, or somebody. I don't I don't know, but I feel like they're going to get a lot, of, a lot more concerts. The alcohol probably helped get Garth and Neyland as well, I would say. I would think so. I would think so. Any other questions you want to get to? Cody asked. I like Cody, so I will answer. try to answer his question, but I don't have an answer. Uh, any likely staff changes for the football team after the season? Has there been they, any that you've read about? They have to do something on defense. They have to do something on defense. Yeah, I would think that, like, neither Rumpf like, – like, both of Rumpf and Rocker, Rocker one of those guys going to be gone. One yeah. of those guys got to go, I would think. They have to do something on defense because they are routinely getting cucked on the recruiting trail when they've looked better than they have in years. Yeah, it ultimately comes down to recruiting, and one of those guys is going to have to go. Yeah. So, I would think I, so. That's the only one that comes to mind. I would like maybe Winky. Point, I mean, I feel like Winky's always going to be on the chopping block. Yeah, at what point is Tennessee going to go out and get, a, like, a big-time running back commit? Like, Eric Gray, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, a five-star, like, Georgia, Alabama get. Especially because like, it looks like we want to run the football. Yeah, and, like, there's there, the recruiting just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I, the running back recruiting has been just 
really weird. The de- The defensive line recruiting has obviously been a train wreck the last six months. You lost Jordan Davis, Ojolari, and you inexplicably lost Hardy to Auburn when his brother played for UT and he had been silently committed to you and had already made the commitment video in August. You somehow lose him to Rodney Garner at Auburn. Um, something has to change on on defense. So, yes, I think that there absolutely will be staff changes. There has to be because Pruitt knows he's getting worked on the recruiting trail. Yeah. I mean, thank God for the three kids from Memphis, right? And thank God for Moose. If if you did not have those three kids from Memphis, like just sitting in your back pocket that like truly wanted to stay in state and play at Tennessee, you would be cooked. You would be done. It would be an abysmal class. Um, so I guess we'll see what Moose can do. I mean, Moose really works magic when games are done, right? I mean, he got Toa Toa and Crouch last year. Yeah, maybe we don't want to make a bowl game. Just let Moose be out on the trail. Like, <laughs> do we really need, like, Moose doesn't need to be at bowl practices. We don't yeah, throw yeah. to our receivers. We don't throw to our tight ends anyway. Our tight ends also, have gotten pretty good, though. I think Moose is a pretty good position coach, too. Yeah, He probably is. I mean, He's probably going to be our next offensive coordinator when we get Chaney out of here in a couple of years when he retires. That's fine, too. I'm all for keeping Moose. Yeah, Darnell Washington would probably change the feeling of the class somewhat, but again, we don't throw to our tight ends that much, and Chaney doesn't really. He's not a big tight end guy. We Where threw it to him. The, we, we threw it to him in the game that he was in, uh, in in the building, though. Yeah, we did. We made sure where, to throw it to the tight ends that day. Like, where is the running back recruiting? We're really know. gonna. I mean, we're no offense if he's listening, but we're really gonna roll Chandler back out there again as the as the as the as the you know the number one next year. They can't hold on to the ball. Maybe Eric Gray will get a little bit bigger, and I don't know. Is Tim Jordan a senior? What is, is what does he? He he'll be back too. Good. We got our back already. We don't need any more running backs. We got Tim Jordan coming back. We'll have Tim Jordan out there head hunting. All right. Let's talk again. Uh, maybe on Sunday after we beat Mizzou, Seth. Yep. Thanks for powering through this. I'm gonna go eat. I will uh, then edit the podcast and put it up. Appreciate the patrons. Love the patrons. Shout out to Marcos Garza. Night, Seth. Love you. Take Love you. Me on the world and pack again. As I'm searching for my something. Oh, that's something that I'm wondering. Where I'm going when my story ends. Doesn't even matter anyway. Focusing on top of my pain. No problem with the pain It was only getting older by day It was only getting older Catch me up all night Catch me Get this touch that Catch me up all night Catch me Catch me up all night Catch me Get this touch that Catch me up all night I'm thankful that I'm still alive. Cause I 
Cause you're no problem with the pain 